Well, welcome to the bridge on this 4th of July weekend. We are so glad that you are here. If you would, please stand for the presentation of the colors. Would you join me this morning for the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And now, the pledge to the Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Would you remain standing for the posting of the colors? Well, we're in week number two of Legacy to a HNL. We're going to a whole nother level in our service to God to leave a legacy for those who come behind us. We pray that they will find us faithful. Last week we talked about inheritance. We learned that one's genera one generation's inheritance is the previous generation's sacrifice. And that any generation that is unwilling to sacrifice reduces the inheritance of the next. So today we're going to talk about national legacy. Now I know we hear all this talk about separation of church and state and all that stuff. Can we talk about today honoring Jesus and being thankful, good citizens. Can we do that? Yes, we can do that. I'm telling you, as a believer in Jesus, and I shared this Thursday night, nothing that we do is secular. Everything is sacred. Everything that we touch is touched by God because Christ is at the center of all that we do, right? So we look through the lenses of Jesus... We look through the lenses of Scripture and we view everything in the world through those lenses. That is the intent and that's what God wants us to do. So why have we as a country experienced such prolonged prosperity? 241 years we have been prosperous. France has had five different forms of government in 241 years. Italy 50 plus. The Soviet Union with all of its vast resources collapsed after 75 years. So what's the difference? Why have we been so blessed? Is it because we're smarter? Is it because we work harder than other nations or we're lucky? Well, I believe with all my heart it is because we recognized and honored our rich Christian heritage that formed this country. Now, I realize there is a vocal minority. And the vocal minority says, this country, our forefathers, didn't establish a Christian nation. Their intent was that we would be a pluralistic society. They didn't come here for God, they said. They came here for gold. It wasn't because they were seeking to honor Him. And I must respectfully disagree. And remind us of the principles and commitments 
that were needed to keep these blessings flowing. So I want to look at two foundational principles from our nation's heritage that make me draw that conclusion. So I can hear the voice of the naysayer, but I would disagree because of two things. And they're in your notes. And if you want to follow along, you can do so. And I believe I skipped that um, slide there. But you can follow along on the Bible app. If you have version on your Bible, you can go there. And it's the neatest thing. You go down to the bottom right-hand corner of it, and you can hit more. And then if you have location services on your phone, uh, it'll, tell, it'll identify that you're here at the bridge in Goldsboro. And you can click on that, and it will give you all of the sermon notes that I'm preaching from today. So you don't have to write anything down. It's right there. You can also, when you get a slide, you can hit add my own notes, and you can add other stuff. What in the world? It's like George Jetson is running the media back there. So, anyway, I'm old kids. It doesn't take much to make me go wow. <laughs> I mean, I still get weirded out that my kids can sit in their room and play Xbox with somebody across the country or around the world. That's pretty incredible. And a little bit scary, i got to be honest with you. So uh, sometimes I get on there and say, you better be acting right, because I am watching what you're doing. Um, and we better be doing that, parents. We better be watching what's going on. But that's another sermon. So the first foundational principle of our nation's heritage is this. God is eternal. Nations are temporary. Now, the, the text that we'll be drawing from the majority of the time today is Psalm 33. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Psalm 33, you have it on your phone, you can do so at this time. But we're going to begin reading here in verse 10. It says, The Lord foils the plans of nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. And the purposes of His heart through all generations. He foils the plans of the nations and thwarts the purposes of the people, but his plans stand firm. How long? Forever. The plans of God stand firm forever. Now we live in a world that from time to time looks like they're just completely derailing everything that looks like God, right? Everything that is fulfilling his plan, everything fulfilling his purposes how long will the Lord's plans stand? Forever, right? Nothing will thwart them. Historian Arnold Toynbee studied 21 major civilizations. And he studied them over centuries of their civilization. 20, all 21 collapsed, but only two collapsed from outside forces. All other 19 collapsed from moral decay. It all came from within. In each case, it happened gradually and quietly. And most didn't even realize what was happening until it was too late. But they all fell from Alexander the Great to Adolf Hitler. They all fell. Because the plans of every aggressor have been foiled. And they always will. So in balancing honoring our nation and worshiping God, while the U.S. is the most prosperous nation in history, hear me now, the United States of America is not a permanent nation. It's not permanent. 
There will be a time when the United States will exist no more. And I don't know when that will be. It may be when Jesus comes. I don't know. But if you think when you hear me say that this morning, that is un-American. I want us to look at what our founding fathers had to say about this nation. They said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. They are endowed by their who? With certain unalienable rights. That among these are life. Liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or what? Abolish it and to institute new government. They understood we may not be here forever, but we know this. God gave us these rights. And if we reject God, they can be abolished. They can be abolished. So we go all the way back to 1776. And we see that our forefathers realized that there was a higher allegiance than a national system. Now, I am a very patriotic guy. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be. I thank God. As a matter of fact, I am so incredibly thankful for all the men and women who serve currently and have ever served in our armed forces. And if that is you this morning, would you just, can we do this right now? Would you stand right where you are so we can honor you and thank you for your service to this great country? Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you guys so very much. I am very much a proud American. Second Amendment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Concealed carry, toting, Lord have mercy there. I don't know how y'all going to edit all that, but that's what I am. Uh, not today. <laughs> but I'm proud of our Christian heritage. I'm proud to be an American. I thank God that I was born in the greatest nation on this planet. And I believe that. But we got to keep our fix and our focus on God because God is eternal. Nations are temporary. We begin thinking we're it, and we will find out quickly. Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's why we go to Kentucky. That's why we go to Belize. That's why we serve the folks right here in Wayne County because we believe in a kingdom vision here at the bridge. That it's not just about us. It's not just about who's sitting in these four walls. But it's about the kingdom, capital K, of God. And that we are one day going to be with Him in heaven. So we understand that. And then secondly, God honors the nation that honors Him. He honors the nation that honors Him. So back to Psalm 33. There in verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people He chose for His inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From His dwelling place He watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all. Who considers everything. 
they do. Do you see that? God is watching. He is watching the hearts of men and He's watching the hearts of women. And when He finds a nation that honors Him, what does He do? He blesses that nation. Amen? That is why we are such a blessed nation. Because we have been a nation that honors God. You ever wonder why the pitiful little revolutionary forces were victorious over the mighty British army? Why the most powerful military force in the world at that time took on 13 little colonies and didn't stand a chance. And please don't take offense to what I'm about to say, but I'm talking about landmass. But it would be like Puerto Rico saying, man, we're going we're gonna to take on all 50 states of the United States of America. I mean, that'd be a daunting task, wouldn't it? And everybody would look at them and go, please don't do that. That is a very bad idea. Okay? Thirteen colonies. Very bad idea. Let's don't do that. You're talking about the British Army. So how did they do it? Well, let's read what the early leaders wrote. Near the beginning of the war, in August, on August 27, 1776, General Howe trapped Washington and his troops on Long Island. His plan was to move against them at first light and crush their little rebellion and be done with it, quickly ending this war. In a desperate attempt to escape, Washington gathered every available boat, rowboat, whatever he could get his hands on, and started moving 9,000 troops off Long Island. Well, morning came, and what happened? Thousands of them were still there. They hadn't gotten off. They were vulnerable, very vulnerable to attack. Major Ben Talmadge, Washington's chief of intelligence, said this. He said, as dawn approached, those of us who remained in the trenches became very anxious for our own safety. At this time, a very dense fog began to form. And it rose out of the river. It seemed to settle in a peculiar manner over both encampments. I recollect this peculiar providential occurrence perfectly well. Do you hear what he called it there? I recollect this peculiar providential occurrence. It was so very dense, or so very dense was the atmosphere, that I could scarcely discern a man at six paces distance. The fog was so thick, the British couldn't attack. So it took away that initial attack and their chance to end this war quickly. It reminds me of a scripture reading on in Psalm 33, verse 16. It says, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his strength. How are we saved? By whom are we saved? The hand of Almighty God. I don't know what it is you're facing today. I don't know what it is you walked in here with today. What kind of burden you're bearing today. Maybe it is an insurmountable circumstance that you see no way out of. Nothing is impossible for our God. But here's what we got to do. We got to come to Him like this. See, when we look at that circumstance and we face it, what do we do when we face that insurmountable thing, that thing that is sure to overtake us and overcome us? What's the first thing we start doing? 
All of us. I do it. We all do this. When it happens, we're like, oh, oh, okay, all right, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where are we going to we were laying in the bed one night, my wife and I. We had been, we had been laying down maybe 30 minutes. And uh, I thought all of my children were home. But one of them, and, and several of them have an occasion. They'll go out in the neighborhood. They might ride a bike or they'll go hang out with a friend. Or, well, we thought everybody was home. So we just shut the garage door and went to bed. So I'm laying in the bed. I'm calm. I'm relaxed. I've been there about 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, because my bed is right beside the window here on the side yard, I hear, and I jumped up, and I'm like, oh, I have some insurmountable circumstances here. Well, I can't answer the door the way I sleep, so <laughs> the knock again, and I'm grabbing my shorts, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and I almost fall down on my face, and I can't get, I can't even get from the front of the bed to the end of the bed to try to figure this out because I am going crazy trying to figure out a way how can I get dressed and get out the door to see who's knocking on the door and get a baseball bat in my hand to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of out there. But we, we hustle and we shuffle things and we, are, we get in a tizzy, don't we, sometimes? When we face those things and we're, oh, we're never going to make it. Remember Chicken Little? The sky's falling. Right? We get that way. I don't know if I can say this from up here, but I'm going to do it because I got the mic on. But we freak out, you know? And I, God has given me a, a wonderful woman in my life who will look at me from time to time and grab me by my face like my mom, you know? And it's like, calm down. Take a breath. It's going to be okay. It's going to... And you know what? And it's infuriating. But she's always right. It's okay. You know why? Because we take that step back and we say, as long as I serve the only true and living God, the God who created everything. There is no army. There is no king. There is no circumstance that I will ever face that is too big for my God. He can handle it all. Will you trust Him with it? I had to do that that night. I had to sit down on the bed and then I realized, oh, this is my firstborn child. I better not go out there and harm her. I need to let her in, you know. But we get in such a tizzy that we do that. And I can imagine that there were men in this army that felt the same way. And God just intervened. Then we fast forward to Cornwallis' surrender at Yorktown. Some may call that luck. Cornwallis camped at Yorktown because of several reasons. Probably one, it was a good harbor there to get supplies in and reinforcements. It was high ground. And it was the only place in the James River narrow enough if they needed to, they could cross and get away. And when he learned that Washington was coming from the south, he sent reinforcements from New York. But they were late coming, so Washington got the upper hand. 
Cornwallis decided to retreat across the James River. Does anybody know what happened when he tried to retreat across that river? A mighty wind came up and started blowing, and they couldn't get across. So what ended up happening is it divided his forces. It divided his strength, and Cornwallis had to surrender. November 15, 1781, a letter to the President of Continental Congress, Thomas McKean, he writes, I take a particular pleasure in acknowledging that the interposing hand of heaven in the various instances of our preparation of this operation has been most conspicuous and remarkable. There was no doubt in Washington's mind. Maybe he was thinking back to the French-Indian War. He was one of very few that survived. He wrote to his brother, John, and said, For I have four bullets through my coat, and I've had two horses shot out from under me, and yet I escaped unharmed. Although death was leveling my companions on every side of me, I survived. Fifteen years later, in 1770, Washington was back in that area with a friend, and through an interpreter, an old chief came to him and said this, he said, I've traveled a long, weary path that I might see the young warrior of the great battle. I called to my young men and said, Mark that young warrior. He has an Indian's wisdom. Quick, let your aim be certain that he dies. Our rifles were leveled. Rifles which but for you knew not how to miss. In fact, I shot at you myself 17 times. But I couldn't hit you. It was all in vain. A power mightier than I was with you. It shielded you. Seeing that you were under special guardianship of the great spirit, we immediately ceased fire. And I have come to pay homage to the man who is the particular favorite of heaven, who can never die in battle. I want to ask you a question here this morning. You ever been in a great battle in your life? I wonder how many times God has shielded us from shots fired from the enemy. How many times He sent a dense fog around us so the enemy couldn't see to attack us. How many times he brought in a great wind that would blow and bring provision and protection in our life. Have you ever stopped to think about the number of times that God, when you didn't even know it, was working to provide for you, to bring you through some of the most difficult stuff you've ever been through in your life? You have no idea how bad it could have been because God showed up just in time. Amen? Isn't that an incredible thing to consider? I'm telling you, it happens in every one of our lives just as it happened for Washington. And that is why it's so important to remember these things. Our Christian call is clear. Psalm 33, verses 20 through 22. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our hope and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. 
May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Our hope isn't in the strength of government, elected officials. Our hope is in the Lord. General MacArthur wrote this, No nation in history which lost its moral, cultural core was able to recover from decline. Our founding fathers passed to us the spiritual torch of freedom. May we never let the light go out. May we never let the light go out. Here's the bottom line. Our initial founding document, the Declaration of Independence, established our founder's idea of government. And here it is. God is real. We get our rights from Him. Government exists only to protect those rights. And man gives the government the power to protect those rights. Our government was not designed to keep our Christian beliefs out of public life. But rather to keep the government out of private worship. There is no separation of church and state in the Constitution. And our founders, most of whom held seminary degrees, thought the Bible should take a prominent role in education and governance. Now, why is it important that we don't remove these stories, that we remember these things, and we share these stories with the generations that are coming behind us? Because if we don't talk about them, we're going to raise a generation of children who don't know anything about the history that I just shared. And why is that scary? Because if they do that, before we know it, they're going to be saying it's our strength. It's our intellect that brought us the blessings we enjoy today. I got everything I've ever gotten because of me. I'm a self-made man. You sit here today and that is your mantra. I got big friends, so come at me if you want to, but you're wrong. You are not self-made. You stand on the shoulders of men and women who sacrificed everything so that you could have what you have today. So that you could know the freedoms you have today. So that you could do the job you do Today, somebody sacrificed so you could have that. What sacrifice are we making? So, we got to share this stuff. And in order to keep these two principles alive, we must make two commitments. And here are the commitments we got to educate ourselves on the issues, we got to know what's going on in this world, and we got to have a voice. Okay? Keith Green, a Christian singer, songwriter, passed away many years ago in a plane crash, wrote this. This was a part of a verse in one of the songs that he wrote. He said, the world is asleep in the dark, but the church can't fight because it's asleep in the light. We cannot be asleep in the light. We have a holocaust of unborn children that are victim to abortion in this country that die every day 
And I don't stand in judgment of anybody. If you are here today and you, you made that decision, God loves you, there is forgiveness for you. But it is murder. It is wrong. And it is sinful. And we cannot sit silent and say nothing. We have another holocaust that is occurring in our community even now. And we cannot be silent. But it is the issue, probably not as new as we think it is. But this whole idea of sex trade and sex trafficking, human trafficking, that is in our very backyard here in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I'm telling you guys, it's real. we got to know the issues. And we got to stand up for them. And I know, I know you hear me and you're looking at me today and I'm going, man, am I speaking a foreign language or did I just say something I wasn't supposed to say? But this, this is hard stuff to talk about, but we got to know it. Because they don't have a voice. And I'm going to be their voice. I will be their voice. And I believe God has called us as a church to be the voice of those who do not have a voice of their own. Let's do that. We've got to know the issues. And then secondly, I will respect my country and I will fear my God. I will reverence God Almighty. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Show respect for all people. Love God's family. Respect God and honor the King. If you want to make this nation strong, here's what we've got to do, guys. We've got to live with integrity. We've got to go to work on time. Do an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. Be faithful to your spouse. Love and, and disciple your children. Discipline your children. Live within your means. Be kind to your neighbor. Give generously to the needs around you. Honor God in every area of your life. When we live that way, guess what our neighbor does? They notice. They notice. They're like, man, there's something different about you. I don't agree with every position that my neighbors hold. They don't agree with all of mine. But you know what I do? I love all of them. I'll be there for them. If they need a hedge trimmer, I will happily loan it to them. <laughs> if I have to, I'll trim the hedges, but I would rather loan it to them. <laughs> We want to be good citizens, guys. Because when we're good citizens, when we're good neighbors, the world notices. And remember what I said earlier? Nothing that we do as a believer is secular. Everything is sacred. Everything we do points somebody to Jesus. Because that's who we represent. That's who's in our heart. And so when we do that, when we respond kindly, when we hold a door for someone walking out, when somebody's having a bad day and we don't return their bad day with, I'm going to make your day a little worse, but maybe some love or kindness or just an arm around them and say, what's going on with you? How many of you know that when you're, when you're snappy, when you're ill, there's usually something deeper than the thing you're snappy or ill about, right? I get what my family calls hangry. I get hungry and angry. And some of you have heard me share this before, but when I am on the interstate, it's worse. 
There's something behind being behind, something about being behind the wheel of a car. And my wife will not look at me and say, Well, why are you so ill? Or why are you fussing? Or why are you so mad? She will just look at me and say, Hey, sweetie, is it time for a hamburger? <laughs> because that will make our everybody's trip better, right? Everybody. When I'm hangry, it isn't because of anything they did. Now, I snap at them sometimes, but it's because I'm hungry. And I wish I was there eating my mother-in-law or my mom's food or my wife's food, not a hamburger from Burger King, you know. But when we encounter people that are frustrated and they're going through something tough, oftentimes it's deeper than what's on the surface. And it's an opportunity for us to minister to them and to pray for them. So I hope you'll do that. Because I'm telling you, my natural inclination isn't to do that. Mine is, hey, I, I was nice to you. You better be nice to me now. Uh, we're going to get snappy up in here. But we don't need to do that every time. More than 100 years ago, Alexis de Tocqueville, I have destroyed that name, tried to analyze the secret of the United States strength. And he wrote this. The strength of this great land is in its churches. America is great because America is good. If America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Let's be good. Let's be better than good. Let's be righteous. Let's be honorable. Let's not forget the blessings that we have received. Because a generation before us was willing to sacrifice. And let's sacrifice. Can we do that as a church? You know, we're in a, we're in a place in the history and life of this church. I, I asked Thursday, and I want to ask you today, to enter into a time of prayer and fasting. We are seeking and praying and trusting with all our heart that very, very soon, the next campus pastor of the Bridge Goldsboro will be standing in this place. I love being with you, but I'm not that guy. Many of you are going, yay, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but, but that man's going to be here sooner than later. But I want to ask you to pray for him. I want to ask you to, that God would, would touch him and lead him. But I want to I ask you to do something. I want us to pray as a church. Because whoever stands in this pulpit, they're not the one who runs this thing. They're not the one who owns this thing. Who's this church belong to? Hmm? God, right? It belongs to God. This is His work. It's the work of Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to keep our fix and we're going to keep our focus on him. Amen. We're going to keep doing what he's called us to do. And here's what I want you to do in this season of prayer and fasting is I want you to ask God, Lord, what is it that you would have me do? What is it you're calling me to, Lord? How can I be a greater influence 
and make a bigger impact in the community that I live in, in the church that I attend, that I call my own, in my home, and abroad. God, show me that. For some of you, your next step here is going all in, being an owner, taking ownership of what God has entrusted to us. And if that's you, I want you to text owner, is that right? Ownership to 72345. And we're going to all jump in this thing together and do what God has called us to do. That'll take place on July the 30th. Now, if you're here today, and that word that I shared earlier, and that affirmation that I shared earlier, that God has a special and specific plan for your life. And God's calling you to turn from some stuff in your life that you know shouldn't be there. And He's calling you to turn to Him. If that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. As a matter of fact, I want everybody, if you would, to bow your heads. And let's pray together. God, we thank you for the time that we've had together today. And as we talk about citizenship and as we look at a national inheritance that we have received because of the sacrifice of so many that have gone before us, and we looked at some of that sacrifice today, God, we, we first and foremost just say thank you. I thank you for what Washington did. And Lord, when I read and hear all, about all those accounts, God, I'm so humbled and and grateful, God, because I know I stand on His shoulders as so many others do. But even beyond that, we see the providential hand of Almighty God as you have moved in that generation and in every generation since and have allowed the prosperity that we have enjoyed as a nation to endure for 200 plus years. And as we see that, we look at our own individual lives. And we have to ask the question, God, what is it that you would desire of me? What is it that you want from me? God, how can I honor you today? You gave your life so that I could have life. So today, church, maybe you're here and you've never received Jesus into your life. I pray that today you would say yes to Him. I pray today would be the day you would say, I want to I know this God that blew a, a wind across the James. I want to know this God who protected this man from these bullets that were being fired at him in the French and Indian War. I want to I know this God that my grandmother has talked about for so many years. I want to know this God who's been the center of faith in my family for a long, long time. But I rejected that because I was angry at my family. I want to know this God who that preacher says can forgive me of things that 
I'm afraid if anybody in this room knew I had done, no one would be able to do I want to know the God who knows everything about me and loves me anyway. I want to know Him today. If that's your prayer this afternoon, and you pray that from your heart. And you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of where I failed you. Live in me. Give me new life. If you pray that, He will do that for you. Right here, right now, in this moment. God, i got to believe i got to believe that there are those in this room today who have said yes to you for the very first time. I also believe there are those in this room this afternoon, Lord, that their relationship with you has gotten stale. It's gotten stagnant, predictable, maybe even boring because they're not investing anything in the relationship I pray that today would be the day we say God we're going to step it up we're going to spend time with you my relationship with my family with my wife with my parents it cannot be good it cannot be healthy if I don't spend time with you my relationship with you God will not be healthy and it will not be what you intended to do if I'm not praying if I'm not reading my Bible if I'm not with other members of my family in church. So God, we come back to you today. And we thank you for what you have done and what you're going to do in our lives individually and through this church corporately. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.